Hello there, and welcome back to the Offline Gamer. This is episode 61. I'm Ray. I'm Matt. And you may have noticed something different. Yeah. At the beginning of this podcast. The eagle, eagle-eyed. That's not going to work for listening, is it? No. The, the vulcan-eared, I don't know. Yes, the vulcan-eared amongst you will have noticed, uh, actually Ferengi's better because Ferengi have got bigger ears. So the Ferengi-eared amongst you may have noticed uh, last week. Last week Was it last week I put the last episode out? In our last episode, uh, we have some rejigged theme music, which is Ooh. a 16-bit remix of our current, I say current, our old theme music. Because I thought we, we got, we've got the new artwork. We had that for our fifth birthday, and uh, I thought let's 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 mix up the music a, a bit as well. Yeah. Do you do you like the new theme music? Yeah. Does it, it bring is. back lots of nostalgic memories of playing on Mega Drive games in your teens? I never had a Mega Drive. So oh, did you not? No, <laughs> no, I had no consoles until PlayStation One, oh. and even then we were quite late to the. Uh, quite late to the party with that because i think we got it like half a year max before the ps2 came out well the ps2 came out in 2000 i think so yeah you got it in like 99 2000 wow yeah uh before that we just had um pcs and after that we had pcs good thing about having it at that point though is that you got all the the games were all really cheap yeah cheap games they were yeah i remember first medal of honor we had that uh, Devil May Cry, um, and I can't remember all of the things we had because then we sold it to get some money to put towards getting the PS2. And then, very naughtily, when after I'd gone away to uni, my brother sold the co owned PS2 <sighs> to buy himself an Xbox 360. What a bastard! I know, how rude. Have you forgiven him? Yeah. Okay. Just about. So uh, what have we got in the news? Um, well, we're going to talk about some Kickstarters a bit earlier than normal uh, this month because it is Zine Quest month at Kickstarter. Mm. So what is Zine Quest? It's a month that Kickstarter have done for the last couple of years where they get everyone to put all their RPG zines online and uh, just have lots of th- a theme. So you looked to see how many there were in Zinquest so far, and what was the uh, number you had? Uh, 558. Wow, that's a lot of zines. Yeah, that is a lot. So uh, I've been through and picked out a few that I like the look of. Uh, mostly the more irreverent ones, I have to say. Um, but you'll see, I think when you hear me talk about some of them, you'll understand why I like them. Okay. So I've made I've made a little list. So the first one is Flick Silverpen's Guide to Dragon Town, which says it's a low level adventure set in the mysterious and whimsical Dragon Town, and it's compatible with Five E and OSR. I'm not sure what OSR is. Is it old school rules? Maybe. Uh, let me have a look on I mean, the old Google. That's a good guess. Yeah. Or old school revival. Is a movement among players of tabletop role-playing games, especially D&D, that draws inspiration from the early days of tabletop RPGs in the 1970s. So I guess when things were still in their infancy and probably not quite as slick or uh, streamlined as they are now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one's about the mayor of Dragon Town, who is an enormous gold dragon, 
who's gone missing. Uh-oh. And a, gr- a group of ransacking goat people have taken over Grandpap's magical apple farm. Thieving cat folk have set up shop in the town's bakery and are planning some sort of elaborate heist. The castle is surrounded by mysterious living vines. The dead are rising up from the graveyard and puking all over the place. Not sure how dead bodies puke, but, you know. I mean, dead it's bodies fantasy. also don't rise up. That is true. I'm so, I'm sure that's probably the least inaccurate thing I should be picking apart from that sentence, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, Flick Silverpen's Guide to Dragon Town is a 32-page zine colour cover, black and white interiors, filled with everything a dungeon master will need to run the town, as well as a fun low-level adventure that's compatible with 5e, OSR, or any fantasy RPG system. And it's an adventure that should take between three and five sessions to run. And uh, you can also experience it with or without combat. So, uh, yeah, it's quite a flexible little little adventure, by the looks of it. So I backed that for a print and PDF copy, and that cost me £9, which mm. I thought was very reasonable. Is it coming? Where is it coming from? That is a good question. Uh, I close the tab. Let me reopen it. The creator is based in... Somewhere that uses dollars. Yeah. Oh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Ah, okay. So that's Flick Silver Pen's Guide to Dragon Town. Mm. Second one, uh, this is a British one from Southampton. This is a complicated profession, a sci-fi RPG zine. And this, I I, I love the sound of this. So you uh, play... You and all your compatriots play a ragtag crew of ex-bounty hunters, but there's no more bounty in the galaxy. So what do you do? You start your new life hosting space cruises. So you become a cook, an entertainer. Uh, I don't know what the different roles are. But, and there are various uh, emergencies and things that happen aboard this intergalactic cruiser that you and your ex-bounty hunter colleagues have to uh, have to deal with. So it is 40-page RPG zine for three to five players. It's intended to play be played over one or two sessions of three to four hours, and it's GM-less as well. Now, I'm not sure how GM-less RPGs work because I've never played one. I imagine there's a lot of dice rolling to determine random things that happen. Yeah. But uh, I just the, the idea of these like really gruff, hard bounty hunters having to find a new job um, in hospitality on a cruise ship, just uh, just appealed to me and made me laugh. Yeah, it does look quite fun. Yeah, work looks really good as well. Yeah, it does. And that was twelve pound for a printed copy. I can't remember how much the delivery was, but it was from the UK, so it wasn't that much. Yeah, I think it was like a quid or something. Uh, next one was this one's a bit more sensible. This one's dungeoneering. A 30-page zine for quick and dirty dungeon crawling. It's a two-page RPG system and more than a few dungeon generation tools. So I've played a few dungeon crawler board games, so I thought I'd be interested in playing a dungeon crawler um, RPG. Uh, Apparently all you need to play are the rules, paper, pencil, and a six-sided die, or a few six-sided die. The dungeon generation tools and sample dungeons certainly allow a group to hit the ground running, but are not required for play if a DM wants to come up with a dungeon on their own. So you can just make your own dungeon mm. uh, in advance if you want to. And you've got four classes, uh, warrior, magician, thief, and prophet, and four stats, might, intellect, agility, and favor, along with your HP. 
Uh, once the preliminary character building is completed, the players will have to rely on their own cunning to get through the dungeon alive. And this one was $15 for a print copy, which was £11. So I thought that looked Very fun. Very nice. Coming, this guy lives in a great city, though. Does he? Kalamazoo. <laughs> what a great name. Where's that? Um, am I? Is that Mississippi? Um, or, or Michigan? Missouri? I'm making uh, let's let's Google it. Google Kalamazoo. What state is Michigan. MI? Kalamazoo, city in Michigan. Bizarrely, there's also a company in Birmingham called Kalamazoo IT. Who is do really? IT support and services. Mm. How bizarre. That's not to be considered an endorsement of Kalamazoo IT services. No. They might be rubbish, but then again, they might be good. We just don't know. Next one is my favourite one. Can you imagine why? Um, I can. It's called Pungent Quest, a pun-packed land of adventure. It's a system-neutral, randomised dungeon adventure full of punny riddles, traps, creatures, NPCs and magic items. It's a uh, system-neutral one-shot adventure designed to be used in any RPG and dropped into any campaign. You get a 30-page black-and-white zine with over 25 illustrations. Picture your adventuring party against the dastardly Punderlord, a madcap master of puns who delights in cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> Encounter the likes of fell poltergeese, the deadly hilarious cackletrice, the foppish werewolf who's late for a costume party, or the poor bastard sword who's just looking for his father. I mean, I don't need to say any more than that, do I? I'm sure the uh, the punniness of this explains why I uh, why why this appealed to me. Mm. International shipping is ten dollars. I know, but you know, for the puns, I uh, it was only eight pound for the actual zine itself, anyway. So all in all, uh, the pledge was if I click on it, fifteen pound all all in, which I didn't think was horrendous. If I get a couple of good puns out of it, it's worth it. And it's a mapless uh, mapless thing as well. So you, the, the 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 gamers will just say, "I'll go into this location," and then you roll a die, and then depending on the number you get on the D12, determines whether the players encounter a punny challenge or gain and lose keys in the process. And you need the keys to unlock the Punderlord's hidden chambers and defeat him once and for all. Uh, next up, I didn't back this one, but I, I quite like the look of it um, because it's uh, it's not food-based, it's drink-based. But it's last orders. It's real ales for fantasy role-playing. Mm. And it's a uh, sort of um, collection of things that you can use in your adventure to uh, make a taverns more realistic and lifelike yeah so uh, it's got beers it's got plot devices npcs so you know help helps you make your taverns uh more interesting yeah uh, and that's coming from oh is that coming from london yes it is so. london-based ttrpg designer joe winter it's joe's first uh kickstarter so if you if you want that, uh, it's a pound for just saying keep keep on it. Uh, it's five pound for a copy of the community copy, whatever that is. Uh, it's going to be on. Oh, it's going to be on Joe's itch page. Okay, 
uh, which will be, oh, okay, so backing at this tier will donate a free community copy available on my page to be claimed by folks who would otherwise be unable to afford one. That's nice. Uh, £8 for a PDF copy for you and £13 for a physical copy. Or £19 for access to artwork time-lapse videos as well. What's next? Operation Thingamajig, a comedy RPG. It's a roguelike RPG where a slipshod team of anomalous containment foundation personnel are pitted against a randomised supernatural entity. The video for this was quite funny. That's the main thing that, uh, that brought me to it. Basically, you're a team of... Um, they call them the ACF, but it sort of reminds me of Warehouse 13. You know, they're the sort of people who go out and find weird artefacts and bring them back. Yeah. But you're basically playing the, uh, the 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 task force who's a little bit lower down on the pecking order. You're not anyone's first choice, but unfortunately the first choice guys are already off on a mission, so you've got to do it. And, uh, yeah, you're just playing uh, this, uh, you know, uh, not quite competent group of people uh, trying to get strange artifacts back. And it looks fun. And that is, if you want a printed copy of that, well... £6 for PDF, £11 for a printed copy. Uh, and delivery to the UK is... It doesn't say, so I don't know. Is delivery included? Shipping will be charged after the campaign. Okay. And it doesn't say actually what the shipping cost is, but I can't imagine it being more than a few pounds for a little... Uh, you know, I don't know how many pages it is. No, I don't know, but I can't imagine it being that much. So that's Operation Thingamajig. Next up, we have Definitely Wizards, a game about not being a wizard. A rules-like fantasy RPG about faking wizardry. Uh, Definitely Wizards is a rules-like comedy fantasy RPG about pretending to be a wizard. All you need is a few friends, including a GM, a few D6s, a way to take notes, and a few hours to play. The game takes place as your characters make their way through the Wizard Certification Practical Exam, a series of increasingly difficult chambers with puzzles to solve and or monsters to fight. The core of the game is a balancing act. Use your natural powers to survive the test, but not so much that you give away your secret. So you're sort of pretending not to be a wizard? Yeah. Uh, yes. Sources of magic. Uh, yes. So wizards who have worked studiously and been tested on their capabilities are the only ones who could be trusted with magical power. Unfortunately for you, this means all of the sources of magic have been declared illegal. If you want to take jobs where spellcasting is a requirement, you must be a licensed wizard. So you've got to get through the wizard exam without anyone realizing that you're actually a natural wizard and you haven't uh, learned it i guess learned it is that right learned it is my grammar correct there uh yeah technically yeah. you can conjugate it with ed or with a t so oh learned yeah i yeah, learned it yes that's better oh dear so that looks uh that looks fun and that is six pound for a physical copy uh and Another £6 for delivery, so £12. Lovely jibbly. And that one's coming from where? Uh, Mooresville, NC. Is that North Carolina? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And my last one. That's is my depressed. one. Is no, it? I've got one more. Oh, no, you've got one more. Yeah, jumping ahead of yourself there, right? It's ours. From New Brunswick, New Jersey, is The Quest About Nothing, which is a game about nothing. As an aspiring adventurer, you play as the hero who sets out on a quest to defeat the... Wait, what? The Demon King has already been defeated? The princess has been rescued already? Since when? 
What is there to do then? No quest means no reward. No reward means no rent money. No rent money means no home. You don't want to end up being a murder hobo, or do you? With no epic quests available, how will you pass the time? And how will you gain any source of income? In the quest about nothing, you can elevate your fantasy of avoiding rent, getting drunk at the tavern, and getting into all sorts of mischief with your fellow murder hobo buddies while you cry about it later at night. With the world at peace, you are now thrown into a more difficult crisis you must overcome. The Landlady. So yeah, you're playing uh, questing adventurers who have no quest to do and have no money. Which I thought was quite funny. And that is uh, £8 for the game. It doesn't say it's a printed copy. Yeah, the printed copy is £15. So £8 for the uh, the actual game and early access to the beta as well. Ooh. So there's got a few different preg levels. But yeah, that's coming from, as I say, uh, New Jersey. So that was the quest about nothing. So those are all the zines that I've I starred. At least I think four of those I've backed already. Uh, I can't yeah. remember which ones off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I'll probably be talking about them at some point in the future when they arrive. So that's the stuff that I uh, had a look at. And uh, you've got one uh, as well, Ray. Just the one. Um, yes, I did. I have. I was um, scrolling through the overall here is everything one, and I scrolled upon one while we were talking okay. that just... Um, I don't know. Um, it's just taken me aback a little bit. So I'll get to that one in a second. Okay. The one that I, I spotted um, yesterday, or that was recommended to me, I think it was on um, the old recommended for me page, was uh, Lichcraft, which is an RPG zine about trans necromancers, uh, trans people waiting so long for healthcare that they decide to become liches. So the year is 2069. The setting is Great Britain. The Tories have been in power since 2010. Due to NHS service cuts, trans healthcare has become increasingly hard to access. The waiting list for your first appointment at a gender identity clinic is now 300 years. And basically, you have decided to, well, you have learned the secrets of immortality and you will get to the end of the waiting list, even if it means waiting another millennium. Hmm. So anyone who's aware of the situation in the UK with trans healthcare is that it sucks and it's getting worse. Um, so although it says you play trans characters in a dystopian Britain 50 years in the future, it's pretty much the same as now. <laughs> um, so as, as a result of the waiting lists being far longer than a mortal human lifespan, you have decided to pursue lichdom. Over the course of the game, you'll gather all the components for the ritual necessary to become an undead creature of great arcane power, at which point you may either transform yourselves however you choose or wait things out in your new immortal bodies as you have all the time on the world. Um, although the game itself deals with serious themes, it is set up to be a tongue-in-cheek, satirical, super queer and intimate. So, uh, blah, blah, blah. The core game is already ready. Backers will get access to the digital PDF um, and it will be printed on A5 with black and neon pink. Oh. 
So it's £5 just for digital and £10 for digital and printed. Ships anywhere in the world. Two two quid shipping if you're in the UK. So or if you want if you want uh bookmark size character sheets, you can stump up twenty quid and you get the digital PDF, the printed zine, and for limited edition bookmark sized character sheets. Hmm. Um so it has already let me have a look. Um, it's already got £5,628 of a £500 goal. Um, so it's also already hit the three stretch goals that uh, they were looking at. So they are doing pretty well, and it's coming from Cambridge. Cambridge, UK, not the American one. Mm. Um there is also, as I was scrolling through, I will, um, this, this, I mean, it caught my eye because it's an extremely bright, um, image that it's, that it's put as their main image. Um, but also because right in the middle of that image, oh, I saw this, <laughs> um, in big black capital letters is bondage nuns. Mm. So the full title is Pistol Packing Bondage Nuns from Dimension Sex. A satirical RPG of latex angels versus monstrous manifestations of godly secularity set in the apocalyptic environs of a blighted 2021. You definitely can't miss that image, can you, when you're scrolling? No, you cannot. Um, forget the old school renaissance. This is the homeschooled renaissance. Ha, 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 ha. Um, this is coming from Australia. Oh, that explains everything. Uh, whatever are you implying? <laughs> um, da, da, it's a fully featured RPG system complete with introductory adventure module featuring over 50 pages of heavily illustrated and lovingly designed content available both digital and physical formats. Includes full rules for characters, kinetic combat encounters, including ranged melee, grappling, and the hallowed super sexy stunt system. Um, a tome full of arcane miracles to be, de be deployed against your foes. Relics, weapons, encounter generation tools, a uh, selection of secular fiends with which to wage pitched battles, scientists, socialized medicine, false prophets, the poor, cultists, and demons. Uh, a glorious full-page art spreads and a complete introductory adventure to usher players and GMs alike into the realms of ludicrous theistic bondage. Of course. This sounds like a full RPG, really, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, it does say it's a fully featured RPG system. You did, you did read that out. Yeah. So if you are interested in that, it is six Aussie dollars, which is about four quid for a digital copy or uh, twelve dollars seven pounds for a print copy. Looks like shipping. It doesn't will be charged. say shipping is charged afterwards, so yeah. who knows? Probably, I don't know, five quid maybe. I'm I'm being very 
high on my shipping estimates there purely because well brexit uh, we don't avoid joy through rpg so i think that's probably coming from the states then isn't it Oh, does that do they send out the printed ones as well? Yeah, it says all orders will be fulfilled via drive through RPG. All physical copy backers will receive a code to redeem their print on demand copy at the base print cost. I see, I see. <clears throat> uh, oh, I've just spotted another one that looks a bit fun. Um, I say fun, interesting. There is Accessible Gaming Quarterly Year Two. Oh, a zine about accessibility and inclusion in tabletop RPGs. So it's not an RPG itself. It's a quarterly published zine focused on the issues faced by gamers with disabilities. Um, So what we're covering in year one, they covered a lot of territory with lots of firsthand stories about how people came into the hobby, how they play and GM games, how they design games and what types of accessibility tools they use at the table. So for year two, they hope to interview game designers, GMs, players, uh, keep, get in some more um, creative content with spotlights on disabled heroes and adventurers, write-ups to showcase how disabled characters can be built into various RPG systems, adventure ideas that put disabled characters at the centre of attention, not just on the sideline as props, art by disabled artists and more um so they're going to they've well they've they've had a look back at year one and they've thought well we had a lot of great essays but we could have used a bit more creative content to balance it out so that's what they're going to be doing in year two so uh first issue digital uh will be uh eight US dollars, so about six pounds, or 12 US dollars for a print edition, which is nine pounds, and nine pounds again for shipping. So $24 if you want to get it in the UK printed. So there you go. I've noticed a lot of the zines are either focused on or made by people who are. Uh, coming from like a lot of diverse backgrounds so even on like on a couple of the ones that you mentioned there were a couple of non-binary people a couple of trans people um, who were on the teams or were the creators you've got a lot of obviously you've got like people from the disabled background and um there was one that I clicked on that I've now completely forgotten that was uh, oh yeah it was one of the one, one of the ones you did which specifically had like a statement at the bottom saying well um I've tried to make it as inclusive as possible mm. of gender sexuality and all sorts so I think um I don't know whether that's just a coincidence or whether I'm more attuned to it and I accidentally spot it more. I don't know. I don't know if that or that if that's a more common thing in the RPG community just generally. Yeah, and I, I think the zine creating community as well. Because I've seen lots of other zines like 
not RPG related ones, mm. and they tend to come from um, usually disabled or queer friends. Um, and sometimes you get, I think it's like a really easy, I say easy, it's not easy, I can draw all this art, um, but like it's very like um, self-made and yeah, yeah. Um, very own voices, I think is the, the phrase that they use in sort of the the lit world. Um, so that's nice to see. Yeah, that's just a just just a random observance. That's a very good observance. Uh, I just cracked on my knuckles. Lovely. On that yeah. note, then we'll say that's the end of our look at Zine Quest. So yeah, tons and tons of zines on Kickstarter this month. So just uh, pop along and uh, and take a look. And we will be talking more about Kickstarter in a little bit. And before we go on to our uh, what we've been playing and buying in the last, well, has it been? It's been over a month since the last episode because we did it before Christmas, and it's now February. So, yeah. Uh, before we go on about what we've been doing in the last couple of months, um, we've got one other. It's sort of news, I guess. It happened. Um, as those of you who listened to our last episode will know, I was on Bezzy's, uh talk show, Twitch show, whatever you want to call it, a few weeks ago. And uh, on the day after, Bez reviewed our podcast and mm. said some very nice things about us. So I thought I would put that review in here so people can hear that because uh, it, was, it was very nice. And I was watching live unbeknownst to Bez, uh, who was rather embarrassed when I popped into the chat afterwards and said, ah, thanks very much. I was here all along. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so this is what Bez said about us and we'll see you in a couple of minutes. So next... I am going to talk about one that I am even more biased about, <laughs> The Offline Gamer. So we had Matt from The Offline Gamer on my show yesterday. Matt was talking yesterday all about how they got into gaming, about... Yeah, I actually got my notes here. We talked about food, about microtransactions, about the nature of grind, about designers' responsibility in gaming, about comedy and mental health and picking yourself up after depression and then about the nature of doing a podcast and um yeah so matt was wonderful person i have met matt and ray both of them multiple times at conventions i've never been on their show but i have had my stuff talked about on their show um i enjoy this show it is again it's not a deep dive it's not a survey into what exists this is what i would say a typical okay here's a couple of people and we just talk about what we're up to so we'll just talk about the games that we've been playing we'll just talk about okay a show that we've been at recently they have helpfully numbered all their shows, so it's 59 episodes, and they do a bit less than one a month. So um, if you look at the title of the episodes, well, some of them are... The first one that's really got a topic is 
um, UK Games Expo for episode 10, then sometimes they have someone on. They had Kevin Young. For, sometimes they, they had Pete Hazelwood. They talk about Tesson when they talked about um, a particular game. They might have had a bit of a focus about a particular game. They might talk about Kickstarters that they've backed, why they are backing it, and talking about um, what they've been up to, what they've been enjoying. And this is very much what I would consider a stereotypical podcast in a lot of ways. I'm probably going to continue listening to this forever. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad show, but at the same time, it doesn't do anything massively new. I don't feel like I'm learning, oh, this is the hot newness, this is what's going on, but or this is, um, it. it's not a way to learn the news, it's not a way to um, get a deep dive, it's not a way to learn about how to make games, so you might ask, well, what is it? It's just two lovely people talking about games that they've been playing and sharing that information and sharing a little bit of joy and saying, you know what, this is a thing that we've enjoyed. And even though I might have very little interest in backing a game, oh, you know what, actually, they do have some sections that are unique to them now. They do have a section which is all about, hey, let's look on Kickstarter and just laugh at all the political games. And then they laugh at all the political games and how, and it's like, oh my God, people are doing this these cash-ins. Like, you know, you can imagine back in the days when Donald Trump was president, which for those who are watching this after the fact, I Donald Trump was taken out of presidency a few days ago um, because Biden was elected a few months ago and then there's like a time and then Donald Trump had to leave the office. So, I mean, it wasn't the most magnanimous Thing. But anyway, you can imagine that during Donald Trump's presidency, a lot of people were making political games. Also, there was a lot of um, COVID-related games. And then they had a section, hey, let's look at all these COVID-related games and just shake our heads and look at, and talk about how these are all cash-ins. And kind of it's poking fun in a, I'm not going to say gentle way, but it's not exactly mean-spirited. But yeah, it's poking fun at these cash-ins, let's say, and so the Offline Gamer, great, lovely show, lovely to listen to, I love these people, and I'm always going to enjoy it. So that is the end, and I hope that you've got a good sense of whether you want to listen to the Offline Gamer. So now let's move on to what we've been playing and buying since our last episode. So I've got, as usual, quite a bit more to talk about than, than you have, Ray, so I will go first. Yeah. The first thing is I treated myself over Christmas to a lovely new graphics card for my PC. I got myself an RTX 3060 Ti after a lot of uh, waiting and joining Discord servers with bots that were um, monitoring for the stock in various online stores. And I found one at Scan, uh, an NVIDIA Founders Edition card at RRP. So I uh, I plumped for that. And uh, yes, it is in my PC at the moment. And then my old graphics card went 
to someone. Someone, somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and is it working okay? Uh, yes. I mean, all I've played so far is Hearthstone. So <laughs> yeah. I haven't really tried anything particularly um, taxing on it. Yeah, it's not a very demanding game, that, is it? No. Um, so I probably should play something a little bit more um, high, high 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 work i don't know high effort for it just to see how yeah. it goes i think one of the what was it because initially i because i'm pretty sure i only replaced it previously back in like march or april last year because when i started trying to play um Assassin's Creed Odyssey, my previous, previous card was struggling um, to, like, load in everything, load in all the textures when you were running. So you just sort of run and then go, eh, eh. Mm. and it got a bit uh, problematic when, like, you're trying to fight people. Um, so I guess that would be a good uh, target to test it with, as yeah. well as the obvious monster that is Cyberpunk 2077. But I haven't played much of that because I, I didn't play very much over the holidays because I wanted a break from the computer. And then I was kind of half waiting for the patch, the big the big patch. Mm-hmm. And then I saw all over Reddit that everything was still completely um, buggered in the nicest way possible. Um with the patch and the patch broke some things that weren't previously broken. And so now I'm just like, uh, what? Yeah. But also like, I don't know. I don't know whether it's cause it's also winter and dark, but at the end of the day, when I finish work, I'm just like, nah, I can't be sitting at this computer anymore. I'm going to go do something else, watch TV, read a book, something like that. Well, I think that's the danger of working from home where you're working on the same PC that you would be playing games on. Yeah, this is this is this has been like a thing since well, for the last year, well, almost a year basically. Yeah. Last 11 months. Um and some some sometimes I'll be like, yeah, okay, and I'll get into a game, but then my shoulder will start playing up or my elbow will start playing up. And I'm like, this is the RSI because I've been using the mouse all day with my right hand. Whereas if I were in the office, I had a like ambidextrous upright penguin mouse thing that I used with my left hand. But I can't use that on my normal computer if I wanted to use and play games and I don't want to connect two different mice to mm. the same computer so yeah an, an, an unforeseen side effect of working from home is that I haven't played as many big games I guess that's kind of why I've been playing a lot of like Slay the Spire because you don't have to do much in the way of like dexterity you don't need yeah. any dexterity to like drag a card out um but yeah so yes it it is in it is working um i just haven't really tested it very hard as it were yeah 
Well, let's talk about Cyberpunk then. So I've played it a lot, um, but I haven't completed it because I am waiting for the next patch for that. So uh, I, I did loads of side missions because I, I got to a point in the main story where you go to enter a building and then a big lovely box pops up in the middle of the screen saying, make sure you do all your side quests and things before proceeding because you're not going to be able to go back. So I was like, okay, then I won't go into this building. I'll do all the side quests. So I did all the side quests. And then I thought, what else is there to do? And then you've got all these icons on the map for all of the um, uh, like uh, NCPD missions and things like that. So I did all of those and got all the achievements for doing all of those. And I thought, okay, I'll now wait until the big January bug fixing patch before I go uh, and do the final missions. And then the patch came out, and like you say, everyone on Reddit was like saying, oh, this is terrible. It's fixed a few things, but it's made things worse. It had that major bug where one of the main characters would call you and then just stare at you instead of actually giving you a quest, which was uh, which was great. Mm. And uh, so I'm waiting for the next patch to come out before I carry on playing Cyberpunk, so we'll see how uh, how that goes. Do it this month, apparently. Yeah. I, as I say, I have played a little bit of it since Christmas, but not a great deal. Um, mostly because I was just too tired. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 bugs just take you out of the game. Like you're driving along in your motorcycle, and all of a sudden your character just t poses on standing on top of it. You know, it's like it's just simple stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I think what did I have? I had some. Uh had some mission where you had to go and like defeat some somebody somewhere um and um what was it they had like loads of random like um ad boards that came in and out of the floor yeah um and something was really uh <clears throat> bugged with um like the stealthing and the hiding mechanic. So I would go up to something, like crouched, go up to it, hiding, so that, you know, big massive bad guy doesn't see me and kill me instantly. Um, and then it would sort of go, it would sort of judder like forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards a bit. And then all of a sudden would take me out of crouch and I'd just be standing there like a massive plum. <laughs> yeah. And then I get shot and I'm like, WTF, mate. Um, and that happened a few times in that mission. I was just like, are you serious? Because I like stealthing around. Yeah, yeah. But not, but not, but there was absolutely no like logic to it. Like you'd, you'd, you'd crawl up to, a box and then all of a sudden it was like nee, 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 nee. nope you're standing up now and you've moved you've moved like two foot back from the box and i'm like what what and it did that in a big boss fight and i was like oh you've got to be kidding me yeah and i think one of the, i don't know whether this is like an intentional thing or just a massive bug is that i've um some mission in a I think it was the mission where you have to go and like find out what happened to um what's her face? I can't remember her name. Evelyn. Oh, uh, Evelyn, yeah. Yeah. Um and you've got to go up and you've got to go and get something from the boss man's uh office. Oh, the guy it, in um in is it clouds, the where they're yeah. all 
they're all dolls and yeah yeah and you can get up to you can you can stealth up to his door and then it says oh you can't open this unless you've got like strength 10 and i was like okay so what am i supposed to do so i just wandered around for ages i found like a room where there was a little patch panel where i could steal some money and then some, one bloke ro- walks in tiny tiny little room one bloke walks in he gets a bit uppity at me and starts trying to shoot me so i shot him but then literally everybody in the entire building i know was then was then instantaneous instantaneously on high alert and i'm like it's like they've got like it's like they're all I linked was in together stealth. Yeah. yeah i was like i was in stealth and i took this guy out in a in a closed room with no cameras and somehow literally everybody in the building is now like maximum alert level and instantly shoot on site and i'm like that's some bullshit that is a script there is a scripted event there though because if you do manage to get into his room and kill him like just kill him with no one around on your way out you've still got to fight all the militech people on the way out anyway so i think that part of the game you can't stealth through yeah i don't actually know what happened i basically just ended up having to fight everybody as they swarmed me yeah and then somehow got through a door into a corridor which is where his office was and then had to wait for him to come out so then i could kill him and then go into his office and pick up whatever thing i was supposed to pick up and i was like what i will say that you you couldn't ditch that quest halfway through like i thought oh i need however much strength it was to knock the door down i'll just come back but you couldn't you couldn't leave clouds because it wouldn't give you your stuff back out of the little locker down the bottom that annoyed me as well but yeah i think two doors to his office there's one on the side and there's one behind him and i think you can get I think you can get into the one, but then he sees you straight away. But the other one you have to break into. But I'm pretty sure you could have just walked into one of the two doors. I don't know. Well, I would have done, <laughs> except know, everybody was trying to kill me by that. Well, point. yeah, that, that's true. But yeah, um, I do think the stealthing around quick hacking play method is the funnest one. Yeah. You know, especially if you like level up your contagion and your um, skill that makes things spread to other people. So you yeah. can just like walk in somewhere and say, you've got contagion. So everyone starts throwing up because they're all sick and then you commit suicide and then the suicide starts spreading to everyone as well. Yeah. I haven't that got that fun. far. I'm, I'm still, I still have no idea what to pick in any of the perks or whatever <laughs> they're called. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know because sometimes there are doors that you can't bash down and then you, there's no alternative. Or sometimes there's like a thing that you need to hack and there's no alternative. And I'm like, I don't know what to pick. No, there's a couple of missions I, I, where upgrade, there are I've, two or three ways you can you can go yeah. around. I just haven't noticed them. I've upgraded like pistol stuff because um, I prefer using pistols. Yeah, I've got a silenced one to go yeah. with my stealthiness. Now I went pistols in that tree and then pretty much all else or everything else into quick hacking and a little bit of um, strength so I can open some doors. Um, but yeah, it's mostly quick hacking. And you can yeah. go and you can buy new quick hacks from a lot of the uh, Ripidox who are around. So they can sell you like better eye implants, which let you have more quick hacks and things. So 
Yeah, I am also completely dirt poor <laughs> on it. Like I've got like I don't know, not not many euro dollars because I bought I bought like the first you know the, the very first car yeah. by this car thing. I bought that and then I was like, okay, now I have no money. And since then, I haven't really had any opportunity to make any money. Um, one of the one of the perks you can get in hacking is to increase the amount of money you get from those little boxes on the wall. So, yeah. And one that just shows you where they are. So as you're walking around, you'll just see one and you can just go and hack it. Yeah. Well, I recommend doing that. That's how you'll get lots of money. Cool. Right. That's enough of Cyberpunk. What else have I been playing? Uh, Sonic Mania, which I talked about quite a bit with Bez, but... Um, very highly recommended if you enjoy um, classic old school Sonic games. This is just like one of those. Um, I downloaded Quake 2 RTX from Steam. Now, having already owned Quake 2 from, I don't know, 1997, 98, when it first came out, I was able to dig out my original CD, install it, and then point this at the uh, data files. So although you can download Quake 2 RTX for free, um, you only get like the first few levels, like the old shareware um, model used to be. So uh, I just installed Quake 2, said this is where my Quake 2 installation is, and it just copied all of the levels into the RTX version. And it's just Quake 2, but in higher res, um, they haven't redone the textures or the levels. It still looks like it did 20 years ago, but with RTX lighting. So when you blow up a barrel, the lights all, you know, reflect off everything. Yeah. So it's, it's a strange it's a strange mix of old and new tech, but uh, I've not played quite too since since the good old days. So uh, I thought it would be nice, uh, nice to replay that. So I've nearly finished Doom 3. So when I finish Doom 3, I'll probably go and, go and play that. Sure. Uh, next up is just a game I got as part of Humber Bundle sometime last year that I thought I'd give a try to, and that's Treasure Hunter Simulator, which is basically just walking around in various locations with a um, metal metal detector uh, looking for treasure, and that's all it is. But it's quite relaxing, and some of the scenes are uh, very nice. Um, you know, you've got like a, a beach in Scotland, or you've got, uh, uh, what else have you got? Uh, a a na- national park in Poland. Um, just strange things like a, a Spanish uh, castle ruins, I think it is, or something like that. And you just walk around the lovely scenery um, looking for treasure. I mean, you don't have to look for treasure. You can just walk around, but the locations aren't massive. But, uh, yeah, it's just 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 a bit of chill. If you've had a tough day at work and you want half an hour just to chill out, you can, uh, you can just do that. Uh, and then I played a couple of games from the Itch Bundle from last year, you know, the wonderful racial – what was it, the wonderful – Justice and Racial Equality, it was called, something like that. So the first one I played was Moonbase, spelt M-E-W-N, base, because you play Cat Astronaut, who goes to uh, an alien planet. I'm guessing it's the moon, actually, because it's called Moonbase, but I think they said it was like Mars or something. And basically, you have to survive for a set number of days. And you land there, and all you've got with you is a few basic supplies, and you build like a machine that lets you build other things. And then you have to go around digging up ore, uh, finding water, wood from various trees and things that are around, and collecting resources and building um, upgrades to your base, 
to give you more oxygen, more food, things like that, and just so you can survive for that set amount of time. And it's uh, it's quite good fun. And it's randomly generated as well, so once you've survived one thing, you can restart again and try and try and survive again on a slightly different planet. So uh, it's good cool. fun. And last of all, in the digital realm, is a game called The Lost Art of Inkeeping, which is a sort of 16-bit sort of top-down uh, adventure game where you inherit an, uh, an inn or a mansion even from, I think it's your aunt who passed it away, and you decide to turn it into an inn to make money. And uh, so you have to refurbish the rooms. You have guests coming in. You have to cater to the guests' needs. But there's also a mini RPG plot that goes through through the game as well. So you have to discover items uh, to unlock new things in the inn and stuff like that. And I think overall, the whole game is probably only three or four hours from start to finish. But uh, it's good fun. And uh, yeah, I completed it and uh, really enjoyed it. So again, if you've got that itch bundle and uh, looking for something to play, then I can recommend both those games, Moonbase and The Lost Art of Inkeeping. Super duper. Uh, So some of you may remember that before Christmas, I mentioned getting a Switch from Santa. um, And one of the games that came with this was Pokemon Sword. How did Santa Um, know you wanted a Switch? I don't know. Magic? He's magic, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, Santa is magic. Um, now, I what was I going to say? I can't remember. I've I hadn't really play properly played any of the like proper Pokemon games before. Um, Chris had played. I think he said he played Pokemon Blue, like the original ones. Um, my brother had like a Game Boy and he played all of them as well. And I tried, what was it? Pokemon Sun on the 2DS. But I really couldn't deal with the, the tiny, tiny screen. <laughs> yeah. So um, I actually sold the 2DS this Christmas as well. Because oh, um, it was a special edition one that was blue and had a little Pokemon on it, uh, Pikachu symbol um anyway so i played pokemon sword on the switch mostly on the tv um and it was a lot of good fun um and there's i finished the main uh game and the main story there's like the dlc extra bits but i haven't gone into them yet um but it was very good fun like going around all the different gyms and battling the different people and the the story was, you know, a bit obvious, like who the big bad guy was going to turn out to be, but equally it's a child's game. So mm. I'm not, I'm not like uh, deducting points or anything. It was How many just, hours um, do you think you put into it? I don't know. Um, it was probably less than 20. Oh, okay. So it wasn't, like, the story wasn't too long if you just, like, do the story. Um, Like, there were only, I think at the beginning, um, I did a lot of messing around in the wild area to catch lots of different Pokemon and level up a bit so that when I went to the gyms, 
I wouldn't be too weak. And then because I did that at the start, I ended up being pretty over-leveled for all of them um, as I went through. Um, and I got uh, a couple of good Pokemon um, that just happened to be good against pretty much all of the, the gym bosses. So that was good fun. Um, and yeah, there's a couple of DLC that I haven't started yet, but I'll probably go back to at some point. Um, also on the Switch, but not really played it. I've only just sort of like picked an island and built my tent, and that's about it, with uh, Animal Crossing. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, New Horizons, yeah. Yep. The one where you go on an island. Um, yeah. Um, so pretty much all I've done is uh, I pitched my tent. I did a couple of, like, early quests. I did a seasonal thing where you have to, like, make a snowman and it tells you some stuff. Um, I designed a T-shirt design, but it looks kind of dumb because it uh, it's the middle of winter oh. and he's wearing a T-shirt, so, you know, whatever. Um, but I don't have, you know, the amount of uh, coin to basically do anything else so yeah um it's a good little like casual um what's that i don't know like life simulator type thing yeah um you just fart around um but yeah that's pretty much all i have done thus far with that i did also i got something called Cat Quest for, like, 99p, which is basically, like, a little RPG thing where you're a cat and you everybody... Well, everybody's a cat and you just sort of go around and bash people. Or you have, you have like, melee and some uh, magic that you can do and you just do little quests. And it's just, like, a silly little game with some fun art um and it was cheap so i was like oh i'll give that a go so there you go those are my adventures in switchland so far cool uh do you want to talk about hearthstone as well or uh can do Mm -hmm. so as i previously mentioned i've also got back into hearthstone a little bit this is mostly because chris got back into it um because he started watching uh dane the Hearthstone streamer playing silly decks and Kibler and all this stuff and then wanted to go back and play some more. Um, So whereas he's cobbled together uh, a pretty good deck to go and, you know, play ranked, I, on the other hand, am just like, I don't know what's good. So I've just been mostly playing Battlegrounds and uh, Tavern Brawl. And the arcade, like I did a couple of duels, but uh, I don't know what's like a good set of cards to start off a duel. Yeah. So, and I've got loads of dust, so I can probably make stuff. But at the same time, I just I don't know. Um, and trying to decipher 
some of the websites that are like, oh, yes, this is good, but only if you play it in this way and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, no, I don't care. So I've mostly just been playing Battlegrounds, um, which I watched a couple of videos on how to, you know, how to get started. And I've had a couple of, I've had, I don't know how many it is. I've had a few top fours. I haven't had any top ones. I've had a couple where I came second. Um, And I haven't, I don't think I've managed to get through playing all of the heroes at least once yet. Oh, yeah, there's quite a few. Yeah. So I'm still, like, if there's um, a hero that I haven't played before, I'll probably play that even if it's like supposed to be a crap one just so I can get the um the achievement ticked off. Mm. Although I don't know what you're meant to do with all those little achievement points. No, I don't they just like they don't give they you don't, anything. They don't do anything. You only get I'm points like, for like the daily quests and things. That they give you like levels which you use to get yeah, gold and stuff, but for those they give achievement you those points. little like scroll points. Yeah. And I get that. The other achievement points, they just sort of sit there doing nothing. I'm like, can I, like, cash these in or something? Yeah, I got a few thousand, and I'm like, yeah, what do I do with this? Great, thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing with the older Hearthstone Aroonies. Okay. So that's what we've been playing in the realm of digital games. So let's talk about physical games. Well, not really physical games for me, because um, I played these all over Zoom or WhatsApp or Teams or whatever. So first up, uh, we played a bit more, uh, when I say we, I mean Karen and I, played a bit more of Alba, the uh, choose-your-own-adventure sort of on steroids book from ITB. That is currently on Kickstarter, I think, or just finishing. If you haven't backed it yet and you want to know more, then you can go to our website and read the lovely review Karen wrote of it, which has also been featured on their Kickstarter page. Woohoo! Which means we get a free copy of the book, I think, which would be nice. Mm. We played and finished uh, this game I backed on Kickstarter not long ago, towards the end of last year, called The Dark Village, which I've got here, actually. And this is going to make fascinating podcasting for everyone listening. I can't quite reach because my headphone cable is too long. There we go. Oh, it's not long enough, even. I'm back. And Mm. what this is, it's a little sort of like... It's sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure book, but it's lots of little books. And each book is just a few pages of piece, pages, pieces of paper. And it's like a location. So this one I've got in my hand here is the photographer studio. And, well, first of all, the game has two modes of play, easy or hard. Easy, if you die, just go back to the beginning of the book you're in and yeah. start again. Hard, you're supposed to go back to the beginning of the game. But I don't know anyone who's going to play the game like that. Because literally we started the game, picked a location, went there and died straight away. So it's like, who's going to do, who's going to start yeah. the game again every single time that happens? Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't do that. But uh, so say you pick a location to go to and some of them have got like little symbols to say you can't go in, in you can go in the back way by going through the back page, but you have to have a specific item to do that, that you pick up on your travels. So yeah. You can't do that straight away. But basically what you'll do is you'll you'll open the book up, you'll read what it says, and it will say, uh, you can do this uh, if, you, if, you, if you've if you got this item. If not, then go somewhere else. Um, 
but then at some point in the game you enter uh, you unlock the ability to enter the mirror sort of universe so yeah. what you do is you open that these these little books aren't actually booklets they're just like a piece of paper folded in a specific way and you can unfold it and there's like a sort of hole in the middle of it and right. it lets you fold it in reverse so then you've got oh. the book. The book is reversed. I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it, but it makes sense if you if you see it. Yeah. Um, and so each location has got a sort of prime side and an alternate side that are slightly different. And so you need yeah. to explore them both. Uh, and then there's three different endings. But in reality, you get to. We were lucky. We got to a certain point where we had three books left. And each of those three little books was one of the endings. So we could do the one ending and then go and do the next one and then go and do the next one. So we got yeah. to do them all. Um, so it was all right. Um, as I said, there's a few flaws in the execution in the, you know, you can just go somewhere and die straight away. Like you can go in. It says you can only enter this room if you've got this key. Okay, I've got this key. I can go in. Oh, you go to climb through the window and it shuts you and kills you like a guillotine. It's like, that's great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so that instant insta deaths aren't that great. But um uh, we 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 took we did it over the course of a couple of nights and um it was all right. Um but I don't know if uh I'd recommend anyone to go out and play it. But I'll I'll bring this to you so you can have a play and yeah. uh see what you think of it cuz uh I thought it was all right. It was it was I think it was worth a worth a play through once. And the other thing I'm going to bring to you, which we finished, was Hack Forward, the escape yeah. room game that relies on online stuff, which I showed you, uh, which I took, which I talked about in our last episode. So we finally finished that, and uh, yes, the ending was quite interesting, and that's all I'll say mm-hmm. about that. And uh, I think you, you and Chris, will find it especially. I think you'll find the story enthralling. I found it quite enthralling yeah. and engrossing. So uh, yeah definitely that's one i definitely recommend if people like playing these like and you know over the last 12 months people have been playing a lot more of that kind of thing like escape yeah. games that you can play over zoom and skype and things so uh yeah hack forward definitely recommended cool so that's what we've been playing in the last couple of months where are we going now ray to kickstarter corner Indeed, and it's time for our annual look back at the campaigns that we've backed that should have arrived by now, but haven't. Mm. And before we start, we should also say that we decided this year, due to lack of playing, um, we aren't doing our top three Kickstarters of the year because um, we don't really know what we would choose because we haven't played many of them. So So my Kickstarters that I've backed that haven't arrived yet, so... First one is it's well. There's going to be some familiar names in this list because uh, there's some long outstanding ones. So uh, first up, first stop. So first up is a dog's life from uh, Beaton Games. Um, it's still been suspended by Kickstarter. It's a subject of an intellectual property dispute. It's interesting that they suspended the campaign. You would think at that point they would ask them to give people refunds, but they don't, which is which I think is weird. Um, their Facebook page has got nothing on there, and I think I'm just chalking that up to never gonna never gonna turn up. I may have said last year that I wasn't going to talk about it again, so yeah, that's that. Uh, Seize the bean from Quality Beast. 
That is production in progress at the moment. So that should have arrived uh, originally in September 2018. So I think it's going to be three years after its uh, due date. But um, looking forward to it. Um, I say we saw it at UKGE when 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah. And it looked uh, it looked good fun. So looking forward to that. It's a game about coffee, which Karen is probably going to like a lot. Sweet Mess, which should have arrived in December 2018. This is by Big Kid Games. This is a, a baking competition game. So, you know, fairly obvious why I backed it. Um, they are doing some things in production, but they have had a few issues with other things. And they've said they are having a few financial issues, but uh, they are determined to get the uh, game finished. And their last update was 4th of January, so just over a month ago. So they are still keeping people updated. So that is good. Uh, Keep scrolling up my list. What is the next one that hasn't arrived? There are lots of green ticks. Uh, Ah, Bloom. Uh, Estimated delivery January 2020. A game, a tile laying game about collecting flowers. So this is, oh, shipping is in progress. So this should be here very soon, hopefully. Excellent. Where are they shipping from? Uh, Okay, they're currently on a boat from China. So hopefully that shouldn't be too much longer. And scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, Museum Deluxe Edition uh, should have delivered in October, so that's not too bad. Um, Where's Yukon Salon? Because I'm sure that should have been on my list as well. Oh, it was below A Dog's Life. So, yes, Yukon Salon. The game about beards on lumberjacks and hairstyles on bears, or the other way around, I can't remember. Should have originally delivered in August 2017. Got delayed, 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 and then Radio Silence. Now another ga- another company has picked up the rights to make the game and they are producing it and going to send it to all of the Kickstarter backers. So that is in progress. And the new company that's making it is Atlas Games. So, yeah, there we go. And the other big one that is delayed, which is one that you backed as well, is Magic Puzzles. Yeah which has got a lot of people very annoyed because it turned up in Target stores in America before a lot of us have uh, had our uh, had our copies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've apologised because uh, those of us in the UK and I think a lot of Europe aren't getting their uh, copies for quite a while because there was massive delays at customs or something that they've said. I don't quite know. But I think people would be more inclined to believe their stories if they hadn't have decided to um, put it on retail shelves before um, all of the backers had got their copies. So who knows what's going on there? But um, yeah, apparently uh, as of uh, the 29th of January, it says a UK warehouse shipping to the EU and the rest of the world is packing orders now after a long delay. So hopefully we should get our magic puzzles very soon and the rest of them are all just uh if they are late they're only a month or two so i don't really think it's worth talking about because those are just standard normal kickstarter stuff 
So, um, yeah, I think that's everything on my list. Um, I'm just having a look at mine to see if I've just been silly and missed an email or something. <laughs> um, right, so scrolly, 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 scroll. I think there are ones that I have mentioned before. Um, so, yeah, there was um, Ghost Theory, which was supposed to arrive September 2017, oh. which I think is, from what I recall, they ran out of money. Oh. So you, they're, they're trying to get enough money by selling it as pre-orders. Oh, so are they still updating the campaign? No, they haven't updated it since December 2018. So, oh, okay. I mean, I'm I'm very much doubting that anything's coming of that. Um, the Blank Mary Kill International waitlist, um, which was chuck them a dollar and go on the waitlist for the international version, um, which has never occurred. Femida the non-linear indie game about justice that did eventually um, come out on a DRM version uh, last last year, but I still haven't played it. Um, I don't know whether, because I, I backed it to name a character and I have no idea whether they actually kept any of that stuff because I just, I got so disheartened with it. Nimbartus, which I should have a Steam key for, but um, it's probably one of these ones that I've forgotten and probably need to chase up. So that one, I just missed the key. Yeah, and then the only other one is the Magic Puzzles, which was supposed to come in October. Um, and then there was Mint Cooperative, which was very delayed. Um which was supposed to arrive in April 2020, but I didn't get it till like December. But it has arrived, so okay. Well, that's um, I suspect most of the delay there was COVID related. So there was something that I arrived uh, last month, and it was about a month late. But it was only a month late, and it has arrived, and I will mention it. In my arrivals section. Okay. But before we get there, let's take our usual look at the bottom of the barrel, as far as Kickstarters go, in our look at the political satire and the COVID-19 cash-ins. Yeah. So, political satire games, we've only got three this month, for some reason. You don't must think there was some kind of big event that happened in America over the last few weeks that uh, has caused these the numbers of these to go down. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And there's, there's, I've only got three COVID games as well, so we've got six to look at. So our political satire games. The first one is the game of Trumpopoly. Do you see what they've done there, right? Yeah, I I can see. It's like Monopoly, but with Trump. Yeah. So it's Trumpopoly. Trump. Do you see? Mm-hmm. It's a fabulous new board game designed around the presidential election process. And it does just look like a roll and move Monopoly clone with uh, American politics 
replacing some of the various properties around the board. It is literally a ripoff of Monopoly. But if it's just about the election, why does it have to be the game of Trumpopoly? Well, that is true. Or couldn't it be called something like Oval Officeopoly? Yeah. Oval Officeopoly, I don't know. Road, road to the White House, I don't know. Yeah. Five people have backed this and give and they're giving these people two hundred and forty six pounds of their hard earned cash. It's got eleven days to go. Yeah, it's gotta go it's never gonna hit your Sunday to go. It's gotta make three thousand dollars. It's got no chance, I don't think. Yeah. So that's Trump properly. That uh that looks great. Uh American Pandemic is next. I couldn't decide whether to put this in the COVID nineteen or the satire one. But it says it's a party game of freedom, survival, and the pursuit of bad luck. Mm. Players must hoard and steal from each other, overcome the endless awkward scenarios created from quarantine, and solve all the impending world disasters with the rarest, most valuable commodity of the pandemic, toilet paper. And last up, we have 2020 The Game. I'm sure this isn't the same as any of the other 2020 The Games we've had over Mm. the last uh, 12 months. This is an exhilarating board game where players struggle through the challenges of 2020 to collect 270 electoral votes and win the White House. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it is again, it looks like a Monopoly board, but instead of ha- as well as the all the squares around the outside, it's also got them on the inside in the f- sort of shape of the number 2020. Mm. It's a twist. Uh, that has Twisty got a goal. Westy. It has. That has got a goal of ten thousand dollars, and it's currently got two and a half thousand dollars, which I'm amazed about, quite frankly. But there you go. Any of those take your fancy uh, there, Ray? Um, not particularly. No. No. Not too fussed. So let's look at the COVID-19 ones. And we've once again got another 2020 The Board Game. Gosh, another one. Oh, no, it must be such a popular genre. It's the year 2020 in a board game. It's a game designed for those that wish to leave the year behind. What better way to leave the year behind than remembering it by playing a board game? Yeah, what better way to leave it behind than to repeat it over and over again? <laughs> what? Oh, this one was funding unsuccessful. What a shame, never mind. As of this morning. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. Okay, let's move on then to fight against COVID deniers. Oh, my God. This is our friend Harry's personal... Uh, quest in life at the moment isn't it yes it is he's going on facebook and uh, having a go at all the anti-vaxxers and the 5g conspiracy theorists yeah this, there's uh, a lot of overlap there is disturbing join the battle around conspiracies and fake news in this viral <laughs> party uh-huh. game oh this was funding unsuccessful as well they only had they only made five thousand euros out of their ten thousand euro goal oh Never mind. It was a party game that puts you at the centre of the fight against fake news and conspiracy theories about the coronavirus. And last up we have hashtag capture COVID. Why they've named their game a hashtag, I don't know. 
but they have. Hashtag Capture COVID is a light-hearted humorous card game about good or bad choices. Race against players using immunities to win the game. And this has currently got $243 of a $20,000 goal. And it has 36 days to go. Ooh. It's a light-hearted and humorous game about good and bad choices. The choices others make have a profound effect not only on the individual, but on those around us near and far, positive and negative. It's a game of you against both your fellow neighbours and against the board being the vid. Okay, the vid. Oh, COVID, the vid, I yeah. see. Did they not, mm, did they not mm. want to just call it the Rona like everybody else The did? Rona, yeah. No, 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 it's the vid. So uh, that's hashtag capture COVID. So again, any of those uh, appealing? Mm, not especially. Okay, then. Let's move on from that uh, lovely selection then. Let's talk about some good games. Uh, any for you, Ray? Uh, not at the moment, no. You're always so good, and I'm always the one spending all of my hard-earned cash on Kickstarters. I know. How can I resist the temptation? I don't know. I no, don't I don't know, know either. Whatever I'm doing is, is, it is wrong. I'm fast running out of space. I've got a problem. I have got a problem. I know I have. Oh, well. Um, so what have I spent money on? Uh, three packs of playing cards all around a central theme. Can you guess what that theme is? Um, is it is it food? It is food, yes. I have backed the ketchup and fries playing cards, the spaghetti playing cards, and the Royal Pizza Palace playing cards. Because they all look so lovely and yummy. I mean, they don't look yummy because they're cards, but they've got lovely art and designs on them. And I thought they would be cool. And I haven't backed any playing cards for a while. And although I don't use them very often, um, I just fancied fancied them. And when I saw the fact that three food-based sets of playing cards all came on Kickstarter at the same time, I thought, it's a sign. It must be. It must have been. Directly aimed at me. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I also backed Creature Comforts, which I talked about uh, before Christmas, I think, which was the one where you are playing uh, animals and you have to build up your little house ready to hibernate in the winter by having the nicest amenities inside it. So mm. I could not resist the cuteness and neither could many, many, many other people because it eventually ended by making... It had a goal of 24,000 Canadian dollars and they made 528,000 Canadian dollars, which is pretty impressive. 8,933 backers. Gosh. Uh, the next thing I backed was uh, a little game called Paper Apps Dungeon. And what this is, is it's a little notepad, but it's procedurally generated random uh, with little like uh, paper adventure dungeon puzzles in there. And mm -hmm. every copy of the game is unique. So I've backed for a few copies of those for uh, myself and Karen. And uh, yeah, they're, they're like completely self-contained little puzzle books with um, with little like logic logic dungeon puzzle type things in them, which I thought was quite quite cool. 
And the fact that as they every copy is unique is uh, is even better. And this was originally part of the you know the January Make One Hundred thing, where people yeah. say, okay, if I get enough money, I'll make a hundred of these. He eventually got over four thousand backers for this, mm. and he made over a hundred thousand dollars. And he only wanted a thousand, so he's uh, he'd done remarkably well. So that's Tim Brinton. Uh, yeah, so I backed for twenty five dollars to get five copies of the game. So uh, I think it, I can't remember if it's three for me, two for Karen, or the other way around. But yes, so that looks rather fun. And the last game I backed is one that appeared on Kickstarter last week, I think, and it is a UK-based game by a guy called Dan Hughes and his daughter Cora. And so the game is called Cora Quest, and it's a dungeon crawling game, and. All I'll say to you is, uh, have a look at the Kickstarter page, which is fun. The artwork's all very fun. Uh, it was basically designed by her and then spruced up by a proper artist to look uh, more professional. But um, the video itself is really charming. It's just mm -hmm. Dan and Cora sitting in front of the camera for a couple of minutes talking about the game. And you can tell he's a good dad because they yeah. get on really well and they're laughing and it's it, it's it's all it's all lovely. And and yeah, I think this game looks uh, looks really awesome. And um, so far, it has got uh, two and a half thousand backers and has raised over seventy thousand pound. So lots of people uh, obviously agree with me. So that's Core Request, which uh, looks like a lot of fun. Ghibli. So let's talk about what's arrived. What have you had, Ray? I have had since last time. Uh, Tapeworm from Edmund Macmillan of Binding of Isaac fame. Oh, uh, that arrived just before Christmas. I think it arrived like a couple of days after we recorded our last episode. Um, so that arrived, which I had also forgotten about, uh, as is standard. Um, it came with a couple of stickers, um, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It hath arrived. Um, and then also a digital game, which I've got the, I've had the key through for early access, which is King Arthur Knight's Tale, which I haven't downloaded yet because when I clicked on it to uh, go and download it, it came up and it said, disk space required 30.66 gigabytes. Gee. Which for a game that I backed on Kickstarter was quite a surprise. Yeah. So I haven't uh, actually. So I haven't actually uh, downloaded it yet, but I do plan to. Um, and there are a couple of people who've already made a couple of YouTube videos like first hour, first half an hour gameplay, that sort of thing um, <clears throat> for the early access stuff. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's still early access and I haven't downloaded it yet because, uh, it was a lot bigger than I was expecting. Is it an RPG? Uh, I think so. Hang on. Let's go and look at the store page, shall we? It's, yeah, it's a tactical RPG, dark fantasy, something, 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 um, PV, PVE, as they call it, which I just call single player. 
Um, so yeah, you are Sir Mordred, the nemesis of King Arthur, the former Black Knight of Grim Tales. You killed King Arthur, but with his dying breath, he struck you down. You both died, and yet you both live. The Lady of the Lake, the ruler of the mystical island of Avalon, brought you back to end a true nightmare. She wants you to go on a nightly quest. She wants you to finish what you have begun. Kill King Arthur, or whatever he has become, after she took his dying vessel to Avalon. Uh, That was pretty cool. Yeah. How much did you pledge for that? I will go and have a check. Let's have a look. Uh, King Arthur, 20 quid. Wow. For 30 gig. That's sort of triple yeah. A game size, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Which is the one that uh, turned up that was late that you were going to mention? Is that the Typeworm one or was that this one? Uh, that was this one. It was supposed okay. to come out come in December, but um came in January. But well, That's not too bad. I mean, it's not too bad considering how massive it is Um, and it's early access. So, I mean, there's some lovely grim, it's very, I I think it's supposed to be very dark. So, and you have like morality checks and choices and you can choose between tyranny and righteousness and that will affect gameplay and narrative. Um, so it sounded pretty cool, and for twenty quid, I mean that's not bad. Yeah. On that um, on that sort of topic of uh, having two sides, light and dark, um, you just reminded me that they've announced that Mass Effect games are getting remastered. Did you see that? Yes, the Legend or the Legendary yeah. Edition. I'm looking um, forward to that. I think that they've only announced the first one so far, haven't they? No, it's a it's going to be a it's a it's the, the whole trilogy remastered. Oh, okay. I did not know. Yes, they're all still three separate games, but they brought the first game up to the same level as the second and third by improving. Like the first game was a bit more RPG than the second and third ones were a bit more actiony, and they've yeah. also fixed the handling of that horrible um, vehicle that you have to drive in the first one as well. So, yeah. So have they like have they fixed? Well, I say fixed. Have they updated like the the technical stuff, like the the controls? Oh, I don't know. Because the controls in the first one were janky. Yeah. And because I played ME two first, and I went back to the first one, and the controls were really shonky compared to the controls in the second one. Um, I think they, I think they have. Yeah, I said they've said they've 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 used uh, the later games as a base to bring the first game up to. Uh, okay. So they've improved the inventory management. Oh, yes, because I remember seeing that they've improved the combat and the cover system is more in line with two and three than yeah. it wasn't in the first one. So, so yeah. So that sounds that sounds. Good. They've also upgraded Fem Shep in the first two games to look like she does in the third one. So she doesn't keep... Because Male Shep was uh, the same in all three games. But Fem Shep, yeah. they kept tweaking her in, in between them. So now you can have the same character all the way through the all three games. So. Yeah, I also saw something where they've uh, changed it so that it doesn't just sit there looking at Miranda's ass the whole time. I mean, I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah, okay. Um, but, you know, Ivan Strahovski, that's why I watched Chuck. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and I think they said um, 
they've taken out the upskirt shots of Femme Shep and I was like, I'm pretty sure she didn't wear a skirt, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember seeing those, but okay. I wonder you, I never played as Femme Shep, to be honest. So. I may do this time, actually. I, every time I play the game, I always say to myself, I'm going to try and play it differently, and I never do. I think I've played through the whole se- series three times uh, over the years, although it's been a few years since I last did it. Um, and I always end up playing Mar Shepherd and going Paragon and being nice yeah. to everyone. Maybe I should be like an evil Femme Shep in the uh, in the Legendary Edition. Yeah, see, my my problem was always if I try and do stuff like as I would do stuff like yeah. if I were that person, the problem that I found is that it was always straight down the middle <laughs> and then you didn't get the extra Paragon options and you didn't get the extra baddie options yeah and then you just sort of had nothing so you you had to like exaggerate being a paragon or being an arsehole um and i was like but i don't want to exaggerate those things i just want to do like middle of the road so you're, but you're not allowed to do middle of the road you're yeah <laughs> i just want to be like half and half but you're not allowed to do that so okay rubbish terrible anyway back to kickstarters yeah uh what have i had arrive uh sins the deck building game which i happen to have right here which uh if i read the box is a unique deck builder with push your luck and deck destruction mechanisms i did the unboxing video this the other day and i opened it up and there's basically it's like a, a full-size game box but there's just three decks of cards inside and lots of foam. So weird. there's going to be lots more decks, you see. Ah, okay. So I got three decks, which are the, the, what have I got? Rise of Wrath, Ooze of Gluttony, and Gloom of Greed. Mm. So there's going to be more decks I'm going to be able to buy. Well, I mean, I may not. I may decide not to. Depends on what I think of the game when I actually get around to playing it. So we shall see. Uh, so there's that. I had Nomads and Martian Chess arrive from Looney Labs, which are their games that use those little pyramids that they do. Oh, yeah. Um, Nomads is supposedly a very easy game. Martian Chess is a bit more complicated. Um, Martian Chess, they had a few problems with the the silver, because they're silver triangles instead of like, most of the others are like um, just transparent plastic. But these ones are painted silver and um, they're grey underneath. And I think they gave back us the choice of would you rather have the grey ones or we can give you the silver ones, but the the paint may rub off. And I think yeah. most people said, I'll have the silver ones because they're more unique. And I had the silver ones. And even just taking them out of the box, you can see a few of them where bits of the the paint have rubbed off and you can just see mm. the, the grey underneath. It's not, I, I, personally, it doesn't bother me, but I think there's a few people on the Kickstarter page probably going to kick up a fuss saying, oh, you know, <laughs> why do they look like this? And it's like, well, you had the choice not to have them. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, next up is Goblin Teeth from uh, Jelly Bean Games. This is a dice game of cheating, sacrifice, and collecting shiny things for two to five sneaky goblins. Mm. If you uh, if you want to have a look at this, actually, you can download the free print and play from the Jelly Bean Games website, which is very nice of them. But it's a dice game for all ages. Use your dice to claim treasures, play cheat cards to gain advantages over the other goblins, and win by being the first to collect all the best shiny bits. Or, as the box says, 
In deep dark we live. It's cold, it damp, but home to fancy emerald, yummy worms, and other lovely shiny bits. Big Boss say, first goblin who collects set of shiny bits is best goblin. All goblin want help, Big Boss. Me now, goblin secret though. Best goblin always gets what Big Boss want because best goblin always cheat. <laughs> so that's that's goblin teeth. Sounds good. Yep. And last of all is... Oh no, I've got two more. Uh, next up is The Last Bottle of Rum, which is a pirate game all about plundering. And uh, the winner of the of the uh, game is the pirate with the last bottle of rum. Uh, it's sort of like a tile exploration game where you lay out the board with all the tiles flipped upside down. And then as you move your little pirate ships around, you uncover the tiles and then have to deal with what's yeah. underneath them. So that looks like yeah. quite good fun. And last of all is Excavation Earth which is uh, a very interesting arrival. Um, so this is the game where human civilization has fallen and there are alien archivists who are yeah. um, looking for um, artifacts on Earth that they can claim and then sell uh, as you know remnants of a lost civilization. So you've got all these strange little artifacts inside the box on these little tokens like um, car number plates or mm. uh, road signs and... Um, Lots of uh, random things like that. But then outside the box, along with the Kickstarter, was a uh, another sheet of artifacts. And um, I was looking at them and I thought, that's a strange shape. And then I realised that some of the artifacts that these uh, excavation teams are after are uh, dildos. Yeah, I noticed that. Well, you sent didn't you, did you send me a picture or did you send us a, a, a Reddit post or something? It might, could have been either, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, it'll be good to know that that's one of the remnants of human civilization that will last um, once disaster hits. Yeah, sounds 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 lovely. Yeah. But it looks like a fun game, so yeah. yeah, looking forward to playing that. And you don't have to play with the dildos. And taken out of context, that sentence can mean something completely different. So let's yeah. move on to our ones to watch for uh, this month. So, uh, Ray, why don't you go first? Uh, go on then. Um, well, the first one is actually not a Kickstarter. <gasps> slightly cheating. Um, and I've put it on here because... It is um, a game based on a rather popular um, book series, sci-fi book series called Red Rising. Um, and it's being brought to the table by Stonemaier Games. Um, and it is being launched, I think it's being launched this month. And it is based, yeah, as I say, it's based on the novels, um, the Red Rising novels by Pierce Brown, um, which I have yet to read, but I do have the first one in on my list of stuff to read. Um, so basically, if, if you haven't read it, it's um, a dystopian society where people are divided into different castes um, and you represent a house attempting to rise to power as you piece together an assortment of followers, your cards will you break the chains of society or embrace the dominance of the golds and the golds are like the top tier of 
the top cast of people. Uh, So as a game, it is a hand management combo building game for one to six players, 45 to 60 minutes playing time. You start with a hand of five. On your turn, you deploy one of these cards to a location on the board, activating the location's benefit. Then you gain the top card from another location, face up, or from the deck, which is face down, adding it to your hand as you enhance your end game point total. It's given a couple of um, games that uh, if you like them, then you might like this. So if you enjoyed Fantasy Realms, Libertalia, and Gugong, then you might enjoy Red Rising. So it'll come with house tiles, lots of cards, a board, a tray with a lid to hold little helium tokens. Um, You also get influence tokens, a custom die, some card holders, a big big fancy box, blah, 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 blah. Um, So it... The collector's edition will be available to pre-order from Stonemaier in March to be announced, followed by fulfillment over the next few weeks. The worldwide worldwide retail release date for the standard version will be announced later. Mm. So, yes, it will be launching in March, at least for the collector's edition. Um but I thought that was um, interesting. Uh, Stonemaier, of course, are the people who brought us Scythe and Wingspan and Viticulture. Um, so they've done quite a lot of good games. And as I like sci-fi and fantasy books, this sort of popped into my uh, sphere of consciousness. I don't know. Um, and I thought it might be worth mentioning. So there you go. Red Rising from Stonemaier Games. Okay, so my next one to watch is um, kind of... I have noticed that since Cyberpunk 2077 came out, there have been a lot of Cyberpunk-themed games mm, yes, interesting that. on Kickstarter. So this is one of those. Uh, and it's called The Gaia Complex, a game of flesh and wires. It is a cyberpunk role-playing game of corporate violence, artificial intelligence, and vampirism. Welcome to 2119. Um, the art is pretty comprehensive and very, very nice. Good, you know, like a cyberpunky feel. Um, and so this is obviously based in the 22nd century. So this is based after a third world war, which is known as the resource war. Um, And small pockets of humanity survived, uh, eventually forming 11 metropolises, metropolises, whatever. (laughs) Um, Then uh, the guy complex focuses on the largest of these locations, New Europe, a single sprawling city that covers much of what we currently know as mainland New Europe. New Europe is a world of street violence, corporate espionage, vampiric uprisings and an overzealous AI known as Gaia, which functions as the city's governor and the protector of its citizens. Uh, Players take on the role of mercs, 
former police officers, hackers, hackers and street savvy dealers who are hired to fight back against the system and ultimately unravel the secrets of the Gaia complex. Da, 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 da. So <clears throat> noticeably, one extra thing that you don't have in Cyberpunk 2077, vampires. So vampires feature heavily in the Gaia complex. Since the bloody uprising of 2111, vampires have gone from being mankind's bitter enemy to to untrusted allies and pioneers of modern corporate life. Uh, despite their attempts to fit in with human life, a large number of outsider vampires still roam the subway tunnels. Uh, so you can encounter these as NPCs and key figures, but they are not playable characters, but they do still feature heavily within the game. Um, there's also ferals, who are a true ally of man, uh, who unveiled themselves alongside the vampiric uprising. Um, feral characters can be created in place of humans and provide an interesting new dynamic to role-playing. Um, they are uh, strange nomadic loners who have become valued information brokers and are able to enter the minds of the metropolis's animals, utilising rats and street mongrels as espionage agents. So you can use like stray cats and rats and stuff like that to go and spy on people and be sneaky and stuff, which, you know, that's that sounds pretty cool to me. Um, and <clears throat> it makes a point of saying that it this game, the Gaia Complex, uh, unlike many cyberpunk games, does not sugarcoat the violence and hardship of the world. While combat-ready cybernetics and a large list of guns may be commonplace within the genre, the Gaia Complex shows violence in all of its brutal nature and uses mature language and themes throughout. This is cyberpunk as it should be, brutal and unforgiving. Ooh. Mm. Um, you can go and grab a copy of the Quick Start um, guide, well, the, the free Quick Start thingy, to give it a try um, from Drive Through RPG. Uh, there's a link on the page. Um, and of course, you can get it with a book. You can get it as just a PDF. Um, and there's also a limited edition book. So for just a PDF, it's £15. For the hardback, for the hardback, um, it is £35, and for the limited edition hardback, it is £55. Or if you want to have some artwork done in your likeness, you can pay £300 and wow. you will be in the game. Um, so, yes. It is an RPG. It is split over 12 characters um, with an NPC library at the end. And, yeah, there's lots of lovely art and stuff. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm not very good at RPGs, but it does make me sort of want to play it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that is... Ba -ba -ba -ba. 
Um, oh, and it's actually coming from fairly close by. It's coming from Derby oh. in the UK. Um, they were looking for 5K and they've got 6.237. So they've already got enough and it's got 21 days to go. So there is plenty of time for you to go and find it and check it out and throw some cash at it. So there you go. That is the Gaia Complex. Okay. So I've got quite a diverse selection uh, this month. So I'll whiz through them relatively quickly because we've been talking for nearly two hours now. So, Uh-oh. I know. So first up is a video game called Beacon Pines. Now, this is a Kickstarter project we love, and it is going to be available by the looks of it for Steam, Switch, and another icon, which I don't know what it is actually, but um, but this is a adventure game where you play these little animal folk, and what you're doing is you are wandering around, and as you wander around the village and the the surrounding area, you uncover words called charms, which are just like charms with a single word on them. And at yeah. certain points in the game, uh, the game will prompt you. Uh, well, what will happen is it will sort of zoom out and it will be as if you're looking at a page in a book. And uh-huh. the, the, the the narrator of the game will read out a page from the book. And then there will be a point where you are then have to choose a word from the charms you've got available. And based on the word that you choose, it changes the game and the story of the game. Yeah, that's fun. It is fun. And there's a free demo available uh, on itch.io, which I downloaded and played. And I just thought it was so charming. I mean, the video uh, on the campaign did a lot to convince me that I was going to like this game. Uh, The animation, the music, the art, uh, the story, the voice acting, it's all really good, really professional. And uh, it just looks like a really fun fun game. Um, So, yeah, that's Beacon Pines. Who's it by? It's by Hiding Spot Games. And if you want to get a copy of the game, uh, it's £14, which I thought was very reasonable. Um, so, for example, you could be walking... I think early on in the game, you make, you have to, you're talking to the character's grandmother, and then she says, what are you going to do? And you have to make like two or three choices. One of them is, we're going to go and hide. And the other one is, we're going to go and chill. And then based on which one you choose, her response is different. I don't think that's one of the ones that changes the world, but it, you never know. Yeah. The decisions you make may come back later and have dif- have, a, have an impact that you're not aware of. But then, it, but then as you make these choices in the book, there's like a tree with all these points on it. And yeah. then at any time you can go back to a previous decision you've made, change the word, and then replay the game from that point with those different actions. Oh. So so yeah, it's uh, it looks really good. It's gonna you know I'd imagine there's a lot of work for them to map out all of the various things that could happen based on the words that characters choose, uh, or the players yeah. choose even. But um but yeah, I just think it looks really cute and uh fun and uh yeah. So I'm probably I'm going to back this. Um, one of the pledge levels is uh, you get to help design a town or character in the game, but that's like five hundred dollars. Um, no, help design a town character in the game—that's five hundred dollars. Um, but you can pledge 
for um, a little bit more than the standard price of the game and get like a digital copy of the soundtrack and that, which I may do because the, the soundtrack I've heard so far is, is really nice. So, uh, and digital art and uh, your name in the game credits and things like that. So, so yeah, that's Beacon Pines. That looks, uh, that looks really cool. Awesome. Next up is a small mint tin sized game called Doom Machine. Uh, this is a solo game. And basically, you are pit against a doom machine, who is a, which is an ever-evolving machine, and you have to defeat it before humanity is lost. And what happens is you're, you're revealing these little cards, and they have like criteria of dice rolls that you have to do to um, do damage to different parts of the machine. And you essentially just have to try and destroy the machine um, before, before time runs out. And I thought this looked really cool, and um, for a copy of the physical copy of the game, it was only £14, which I thought was was really good. Um, delivery is uh, £8. Uh, but, I mean, for a little small solo game like that, all in, £22. I don't think that's, that's too bad at all um, to back something like that on Kickstarter. And it's got lots of little dice and lots of little cards all in a little mint tin. And... Um, yeah, if you like solo games, then I think uh, I think this looks like it's going to be pretty good. It's already well funded. It had a goal of two and a half thousand dollars, and they've already got nearly thirty thousand and over nine hundred backers. And there's still three weeks left on the campaign. So, so yeah, I think that looks really cool. And that's Doom Machine, and that is by Nathan Munier. Next up isn't a game; it's a game accessory. It's the Board Game Survival Kit. And this is by uh, uh, some English creators uh, from Atikin Games. And what it is, is it, it's imagine you're playing a game, right, and you like to play as orange. But the game you've got doesn't have any orange pieces. Well, you can carry around your little orange board game survival kit. And inside this kit are lots of orange meeples, orange player markers, and orange dice. Ooh. And so you can replace the components in the game with your favourite colour. So if you like playing a specific colour in a game and uh, and that colour is not available, you can buy this little tin of accessories and uh, use them in any compatible game. So you've always got your own little supply of meeples with you? Yeah. And how much is that? I can't remember now. Uh, it ranges from 7 to... £12, depending on which uh, version of the kit you want. They've all got different numbers of meeples and dice and things inside them. So uh, The basic set has got five meeples, 2d6, one cylinder, and one pawn. The meeples version has got ten meeples, 2d6, and one cylinder, which is designed for worker placement games. And the deluxe version has got a mini seven-piece dice set, so your, your average, your standard set of uh, different uh, solid dice uh five meatballs two d6 one cylinder and one pawn made with rpgs in mind and you can also uh get uh your name printed on the uh on the box as well so it could say Mm. ray plays orange or ray plays blue or whatever so that's the uh, board game survival kit so next up, we have a couple of food-based games. So the first one is Cryptid Cafe from 
Squatchy Games in Colorado Springs. In this game, you gather food and fulfill orders to earn tips and be crowned the most legendary server. And what this is, it's like a cafe where monsters and various uh, creatures are coming and uh, the chef is a kraken. Because, you know, a kraken would be a great chef with all of his arms, able to do so many yeah. things at once. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, a game where you are uh, f- fulfilling orders um, for the uh, creatures that are in this in this cafe. Uh, so you send out your servers you uh, and then you share tips and uh, with the chef to uh, change the order of the service so you can move your service to the front of the queue and other players to the back. And uh, and then you can serve the customers and uh, get points. And the person who gets the most points, the most tips, is the legendary server. So uh, that is Cryptid Cafe, which looks a lot of fun. And then the second food-based game is Food Time Battle in Space, which is a two-to-four-player retro restaurant card game set on the moon. Because, of course, if humanity is going to go to the moon, you're going to need restaurants up there, aren't you? Yep. So this is from Crab Studios, uh, based in Huddersfield, uh, which is interesting because I think um, Cora and uh, Dan from Cora Quest are in Huddersfield or around that area as well. So... Um, it's a two to four player retro themed restaurant card game where your aim is to be the first restaurant on the moon to achieve a five star rating. Uh, the game has light engine building coupled with pusher look and risk taking mechanisms as well. Altogether, these mechanisms are the recipe for a casual yet strategic experience for newcomers and veterans of the hobby alike. This game will stick to your tabletop like barbecue sauce. And uh, yeah, it does look fun. I like this. It's got like a retro vibe to it. Um, but yeah, it's a food game. So it combines two of my favourite things, food and sci-fi. There you go. So uh, yeah, that looks fun. So that's uh, Food Time Battle in Space from Crab Studios. And my last one to watch is a very well-funded game uh, from Japan. Uh, well, it's not a game. It's three games. So this is uh, Moon Adventure. Inner Grove and Dokoyong from Oink Games in Tokyo. They wanted a million Japanese yen, which is about £7,000. So it doesn't sound quite as impressive when you say in pounds. But they've currently got nearly 10 million yen, which is uh, nearly £70,000. So they're incredibly well funded. And this is uh, three games. So three games. So Dokoyong is a short game where players try to guess where each other's dog is hiding among five tiles. You want to avoid revealing your dog's whereabouts, but if you overact to avoid guesses, your dog may be exposed. I'm not sure what they mean by overact to avoid guesses, but um, yeah, the artwork is pretty cute. Uh, Oh, I see. You have five tiles in front of you, and one of them's got a dog, and you've got to try and keep the location of your dog a secret without giving it away. So the you know the your face you might accidentally look where it is and give it away to someone. So so that's that. Uh, the next one, Moon Adventure with expansion pack. Uh, it's a challenging cooperative game based on their other game, Deep Sea Adventure, which I think you've talked about before, haven't you? Yeah, I think we played it at a previous uh, UKGE. Yeah, pretty maybe sure we 2018. did. Twenty eighteen. Mm. 
Uh, players work together as a team on a desperate mission to recover supplies on the moon. Will the crew be able to survive the magnetic storms and limited oxygen supply? So that's Moon Adventure. And then the last one is uh, Inner Grove, which is a revised edition. So it's a reprint of an existing game. In a town with too many detectives, so many murders occur. The detectives blame each other for their wrong deductions. Uh, one of Oink Games' masterpieces, Inner Grove, is reborn with new components and rules. Gorgeous tactical plastic chips are included, and the maximum of players has been expanded from four to five. The rules have also been adjusted to make the game more interesting. And yeah, these look really cool. They've got really nice artwork. Um, I think if you were to look at these and not know what country they came from, you would guess Japan, because yeah. there's just something about them that looks uh, that looks like it. So yeah. So yeah, that's uh, from Oink Games, uh, Moon Adventure, Inner Grove, and Doko Young. And that brings us to the end of the episode, Ray. At last. Da, da, da. So, how can people find us uh, if you are into social media? If that is your bag, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at TogCast on those platforms. That's T O G Cast. Uh, you can listen to us by subscribing in your favorite podcast app or visit direct to soundcloud.com forward slash offline gamer you can watch all our video content on youtube.com forward slash the offline gamer and you can visit us at our website which is www.offlinegamer.co.uk which contains all of our content um, as mentioned as well as the occasional uh, review and other bits and pieces, um, as well as a contact form where you can get in touch with us. And if you'd like to throw a few quid our way to say a uh, nice job and encourage us to carry on, then you can do so on our Kofi page. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Togcast. Just chuck us the cost of a cup of coffee and that'll give us enough energy to carry on. Except I don't drink coffee, so it'll probably make me bounce around the room like a crazy man. Yeah, I don't drink coffee either. No. But anyway, thanks everyone for uh, listening again. And uh, I guess that's it for another episode. And we will see you next month. So, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.